Hello, and a very warm welcome to the One Sparks podcast. This show is all about building a case for an IVA, also known as an intelligent virtual agent. In today's episode, we are looking at how you can benefit from automation and cognitive technologies to deliver a more personalised customer experience, and how they can be used as part of your strategy, addressing common organisational and customer experience challenges. My name is Dave Harris, and with me to explain the ins and outs of IVA Communications, I have two expert guests. Colin Campbell is Strategic Acquisitions Director at OneCom. He's been in the telecommunications industry for over 20 years. He helps customers achieve operational customer service and productivity benefits through the use of communications technologies. John C. DeBacker is Regional Director at Five9 in the USA. John has over 22 years in unified communications and contact centre markets as both an entrepreneur and working with the market leaders in collaboration and customer experience. He is focused on helping service providers accelerate sales, define product development and go-to-market and delivery strategies. Welcome, Colin and John, to the podcast. I wonder if we could start by refreshing certainly my memory and perhaps uh, some of our audience memories by defining what an intelligent virtual agent is. John, can I get you to briefly remind us what an IVA is? Yes, an intelligent virtual agent is just like a live agent, apart from the fact that it's digital. They're intelligent, which means they learn over time, uh, and you can take that learning and incorporate it into your customer experience. They have skills, uh, multiple skills across uh, 120 different languages. The benefit of an intelligent work, uh, digital workforce is that they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days, they don't call in sick, they don't ask for raises, uh, and they're very easily scalable, which means that as you want to expand their skill set and have them perform additional tasks, it's very easy to incorporate them and expand their, uh, their, their mandate within the organization. Brilliant. Thank you for that very, very good, very concise definition. I wonder, John, whether we could talk now about the planning for a digital workforce. You know, when you're starting out on this journey to try and create this this new way of working. What are the things, what are the tasks, if you like, that you've got to consider? So it's very similar to any engagement. Uh, you spend time understanding your customer. Uh, for myself, I go to their website, uh, I call their published numbers, I, I determine whether or not they already have a digital strategy and how successful it is. I try to find out uh, not only through uh, other account teams and contacts what business systems are leveraging based on industry. Uh, if they're in the healthcare space, are they using Cerner or Epic? If they're in the banking, right, what is that system that support? What is their CRM? What is their service desk? As much intelligence as you uh, can capture on the front end is key. We then take that information and build a customized demo. And that demo allows us to be able to let that customer experience in, in five minutes or less what a digital workforce might do for the organization. Uh, and then after that, the, the conversation really starts to expand and, and we start to in, in look at specific key areas where to start and, and how to incorporate not only the digital workforce, but what might be the impact to their customers and to their internal live agents. 
Colin, I would have thought that, you know, like any like any change, you know, you've got to plan it, you've got to uh, figure out how you're going to do it. So it's very important, I guess, that your customers understand these steps that John outlined then. I mean, is, is that the way you see it as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, identifying the, the problems that are currently within your organisation or selecting the tasks that you feel could be automated. Those repetitive tasks are the best place to start. The ones that are, you know, low value and could cause mundane interactions for your for your live agents. But when you're selecting those tasks, it's it's key to make sure you've got data in context of the the volumes and the impact to your organization you know for example you know if if 95 percent of the volume that's coming into your organization there's an opportunity to remove some of the repetitive elements of those interactions maybe the first 20 seconds of a call could be dealt with via a, a digital interaction that's got huge benefits when you understand and collect that data and what it could mean to your organization that will then lead into how you would then look to forecast your workload going forward. So looking at you know how many agents you need to fulfill the demand, but actually what the improvement would be by implementing the, the digital virtual agent on that overall um, forecasted demand. And then once you've done all that, it's gonna be very clear how you can you know calculate your existing costs and the cost benefit analysis for the return of investment. And I think, you know, um, certainly from what we're seeing and, and how, how John's explained what he's seeing, the return of investment can be a matter of weeks or even months, whereas previously, you know, um, legacy technology, it could be into years. So, yeah, understanding, calculating your costs um, and delivering that cost benefit analysis into the organisation will is a, is a key part of, the, of that process. And John, I wonder whether there is some danger of being overambitious uh, with something like this when you're planning something like this. So, in other words, I suppose thinking that the virtual agent can do stuff that actually, you know, maybe isn't in the end suitable. You know, it's 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 you know, it's the stuff that the human beings need to do. I mean, do you get that with 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 customers sometimes that where, where they sort of have unrealistic expectations? Not often, surprisingly, because more more often than not, we take pains to limit the exposure of the intelligent virtual agent. We're always cautioning our customers to identify a couple of key areas where they can come in and get that immediate benefit that Colin was referring to uh, and understand what are the expectations, what are the limitations. Uh, For instance, if it can be automated, it probably should be automated. That's a great task for a digital agent. If it requires a dispute resolution, that's a great task for a live agent that has specialty skills. Uh, So just understanding how a digital agent complements a live agent and you really maximizes the benefit for the customer. We also uh, advise that customers to take a land and expand approach. You know, identify one pain point. Let's use the digital agent to help augment or, or in some cases fully automate that uh, particular activity, and then identify the next area to expand. Uh, And what you see over time when customers do this is that they really uh, understand and take the time to incorporate digital agents in the workforce. And and like I I, I tell people, make it evolutionary, not revolutionary. Uh, And you have a customer acceptance rate and a satisfaction level that's high. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it, Colin? Saying, you know, make it evolutionary, not revolutionary. So you go step by step and and obviously do it that way. And I I wonder, looking at it from, from the opposite 
point of view from the question I just asked John, you know, do you ever get customers who are who are very surprised at what it can do? You know, they're sort of, you know, their their expectations are too low in a way. Yeah, I mean, when we engage with, with customers, we we go through what we call an art of the possible workshop process where we actively encourage our, our customers to in, include their customers in the process. So an example of that would be, you know, a, a banking organization that's looking to deploy natural language speech processing, for example, but they may have an aging demographic of, of customer. But just by including a, you know, a relative sample of your, your customers, surveying them, look, we're looking to introduce this technology come and use it and give us your feedback of whether it's something you feel will add value to the services that we're providing to you. And by doing that process, our customers are enlightened, but get that direct feedback from their end customers. So yeah, they may start off with fairly modest ambitions for, for this technology, but by encouraging your customers to come on that journey with you, will net those better results um, as you go forward. So I want to talk now, uh, guys, if I may, about training the digital workforce because i think you know obviously if you if you've got a traditional human workforce clearly they have to be trained and that can be time consuming and expensive what are the similarities or differences you know with a virtual agent in terms of the training so the key is understanding the natural portion of the natural language experience people tend to ask for requests and, and products and information if they if you give them the opportunity to use their native language, they're going to interspace different words that may be synonyms. Uh, they may be leveraging words that may be slang or, or maybe even acronyms. And being able to capture those utterances within the call flow and provide that level of intelligence back to uh, management to say, okay, your customer is asking for X and another customer is asking for the same product, but they call it something slightly different. So understanding that you have to tune and optimize that digital workforce until you've captured all the different multiple ways that a customer may ask for the same request. Uh, logging is key. Uh, in our platform, which is uh, we call Studio, we put the tools in place that allow you to capture that information. Well, we provide intelligence relative to a confidence score that says, how confident are we that the customer is asking for a specific request and are we able to service it? If they're asking for utterances that we haven't captured, maybe we need to change the workflow so that uh, they're now incorporated into uh, the experience moving forward. Thanks, John. And, and, and Colin, Tell me about your experience of training and, and, and how difficult, how easy it is to train the digital workforce. Yeah, great. I mean, as um, you know, John was talking through, I mean, on a recent engagement with, with a customer, they're dealing with end users that are having financial difficulty, but they're having an uptick in demand. So having lots of contact coming into their contact centers, so they know they need to deal with that contact efficiently, but understand that the customer is in jeopardy. They're having some challenges with their finances. So by implementing this technology, the use of sentiment analysis to help with that process is also an important part of it. And what I mean by that is, you know, for customers calling in, for example, to say, look, um, I want to pay my council tax, for example. Well, that could be, they could be taken on quite a simple journey and that's straight through to, you know, an automated payment service because they just want to pay. But if someone calls in to say, I'm struggling to pay my council tax and, um, and the service can detect um, through tone that there's stress 
in that process actually could decide to take the service into maybe a human interaction. So the fact that, that the service is self-learning, it can understand whether a customer is you know just wanting to get something done fast or whether they've got some emotional concerns that should be elevated into a, you know a human agent to respond. So training the system to understand why a customer will contact you in the first place is important. So I know John mentioned cap- capturing those utterances at the start, but also augmenting that with sentiment analysis will add additional value in that process. So I wonder what are some of the sort of common mistakes that you have seen and you want, you know, you want to make sure your customers plan for and don't make themselves, John? So the the first mistake that I, I see is customers being overambitious uh, in terms of the, the extent to which they want to implement uh, virtual agents. It's an evolutionary process. I identify a couple of key areas where you can get immediate benefit and recognizable benefit and start there. The second mistake I see is that they try to take their old process, which could be a simple IVR that was maybe developed uh, 10 years ago or better, and just try to replicate it with an IVA. And by doing so, they leave all of the different capabilities as well as benefits that an IVA brings uh, to their organization. They leave it off the table. So, so that's another area where I see challenge. And, and then the last is truly understanding how their customers want to interact with them. This goes back to capturing the utterances, understanding the the role of sentiment in the engagement, and being able to capture the appropriate intents so that you can respond in the way that their customer expects you to respond, and therefore take advantage of all the digital omni-channels available to you. So do business as if you're in the uh, you know 2021 as opposed to you know 1975. That's what I've seen with multiple customers. That's a good tip. Thank you, John. Um, Colin, what about you? What what are some of the mistakes you sort of come across with customers? Yeah, I think um, you know just to build on what John was saying there, this is not just a, a cost cutting exercise for our customers. You know, yes, you can do more with this technology. Um, you can free up your agents to to deal with more meaningful tasks but ultimately this is customer experience so you need to think about adding some value um, into this process so if you are going to simplify it you're going to automate a process with the customer customer experience or customers they, they expect you to understand them as a you know as a customer their you know their buying behavior their habits the interaction types so don't lose the personal touch really um, so if you're going to if you are going to provide these services and you have data on your customer, then make sure that the two are linked together. So if a customer is coming in and, and, you know, they may be checking an account balance, for example, but you know that they have a, you know, they have a credit card with your organization and there's a latest offer. Well, just join it up really, you know, ultimately if they're they're in a transactional process with you, provide some additional value back to them. Just again, that personal touch, show them that you you know them as a customer and they're valued. I know you've both uh, been in the industry a long time, as I said in the introduction, over 20 years, and, and I've seen a lot of changes in that time. But I wonder whether I could get you now, before we finish, to sort of look forward and, and tell me where you think things are going to go and how things are likely to, to develop, given where we are right now. John, what do you think will the world will look like, say, in 5, 10, 20 years from now in terms of this stuff? 
So the key phrase, and I'll, I'll leave this with everyone, is artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, the intelligent virtual agent uh, for 5.9 is just one element in our portfolio, uh, and it really is that front door for our customer. We're taking the experience in intelligent virtual agent and we're incorporating that into AI functions that help the live agent coaching and agent assist and being able to understand what information was captured as they entered that front door and incorporate it into the live agent experience. Also understanding that there's going to be a lot of innovation in this space. Uh, we have something called VoiceStream, which allows our partners to bring new and exciting and innovative solutions and incorporate them as part of an overall ecosystem. So what I see more and more is the incorporation of artificial intelligence uh, on the customer journey side, as well as the employee side, and the ability to accept and incorporate great solutions from our partners. Uh, and, and I think that is just the norm. You have to be responsive to the marketplace. You have to make sure that you are taking advantage of all the different technology available to you. So, Colin, if I could ask you to crystal ball gaze for a minute as well and tell me where you think things are going in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, just building on something that um, you know John said earlier, you know, the the starting age of of uh, people now to engage with this type of technology is, is very young. So as we see this become more prevalent within the consumer space, you know, this technology is only become more prevalent. Organisations, I think, us, you know, in terms of our professional life, will be, you know, using um, digital technology to you know, manage our our daily lives, manage our diaries, our appointment setting. And whilst we're doing that for our personal lives, when we engage with brands, we're going to expect the same. You know, the ability to, you know, maybe call into a, an organisation or get your digital assistant to call into your bank. And then when they get put through, actually bring you onto the call. So you don't have to sit there for 35 minutes waiting for, you know, to, to engage with that organisation. So certainly the future is going to improve that sort of productivity aspect of it. And that's where, that's where I, I think it, it will grow. Thank you, John and Colin, for your fantastic insight. You've been listening to the One Sparks podcast brought to you by OneCom. I'm Dave Harris, and I've been talking to Colin Campbell, Strategic Acquisitions Director at OneCom, and John C. DeBacker, Regional Director at Five9. I hope you've enjoyed their expert insight into IVA communications. Please see our show notes for a link to our website at www.onecom.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can find out about everything mentioned in today's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then please subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, stay safe and thanks for listening. Listening.